Moncrief on News Talk. 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Time once again uh, to be cradled in the gentle arms of utter judgment from Barbara Scully <laughs> and Declan Buckley. Good afternoon to you all. Utter judgment. Oh, yes, utter judgment. No judgment here. Uh, and small piece of housekeeping before we, uh, we get into the first question. Uh, th- this is obviously a Monday uh, and this slot will be on next Monday. But th- uh, then after that, uh, it's going to you're going to hear this on a Thursday will be the new home uh, for So You Think You're an Adult. I hope that news is not news to either of you. Uh, right. <laughs> right. right. Okay, here's your first question. Uh, recently, I've been having dreams about other men who are not my husband and I'm not sure what it means I'll be honest and even go as far as to call them fantasies they're all men I know some from work some personal friends I even dreamed I had an affair with my brother-in-law initially I'd wake up feeling strange and guilty and would try to forget about it but now the weird thing is I look forward to them and wake up completely reinvigorated I've started looking forward to going to bed it certainly has helped the sex life with my husband but the worst part of this is I imagine he's one of the men I've been thinking about and I think that's why it's been so good. I know it would absolutely break his heart if he knew the truth and I don't plan on telling him any of this but I guess I want to know should I stop this? Is it the worst thing in the world to dream of other people? I mean are we really meant to be monogamous creatures? I won't act on these fantasies but indulging in my dreams isn't that bad. Is it? Barbara. <laughs> Barbara. <laughs> no, no, it's not bad at all. It's uh, it's perfectly normal. And I'd say it's actually quite common. I'd say it's more common than we know because fantasies are just that and they stay just fantasies and they normally stay in the realm of one's imagination. Um, and that's why they're entirely fine. Uh, like I think sex between a couple who've been together for a while ebbs and flows. It goes through good times and it goes through not so good times. And maybe that's one of the reasons why fantasies can be so delicious because they they can kind of fill the gaps that pop up sometimes um in a couple's sex life um and i mean she said that these dreams are invigorating her sex life that's great that's great so what if you're imagining your partner is not your husband <laughs> he's somebody else as i say you're not the first one to do that you won't be the last i say lots of people do that and you never know he could be doing exactly the same thing um so, you know, my advice to you is enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, she from reading the letter, she seen, it's not like she wants to make any of these fantasies into a reality. She's absolutely, um, you know, definite that they stay in the realm of your mind. And as long as they do, and as long as they bring positive stuff, then I'm all for it. Um, don't be tempted to tell your husband. Um, mm. That's not a good idea. Um, although, you know, it may you may find a time when the fantasies aren't as... Um, they're not doing what they used to do. You know, you get a bit used to them, like you get used to everything. And it might be something you were, were thinking about with your husband, you know, that you can indulge in joint fantasies together if you need to add another frisson. But um, yeah, no, carry on. Carry right. on. Okay. So she, she might get bored of the fantasies and go back to her husband anyway. So it's Yeah, a, it's exactly. A yeah. Um, uh, Declan, but she is, I suppose the thing is though, it, it, these aren't idle thoughts she's having. It's like her subconscious is really trying hard to tell her something, given that she's only having it when she's asleep. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But I mean, if we were to share every single thought we ever had and, and everything that our subconscious kind of throws up, we'd be walking around talking like we're the last chapters of Ulysses and nobody would want to listen to us at all. Um, look, I agree with Barbara. I do think that she's right, that uh, it's very normal and it's natural. I think I think people tend to confuse uh 
reality, the lived lives with the stuff that our brains throw up in, in our dreams. And, and if it's knocking out something to her that, she, that she's getting a kind of a buzz off, that's great. Because, I mean, we all have mad dreams every now and again, but some of us have very mundane dreams. And if she's getting something fun out of her dream, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm all for that. I think, yes. And one thing that I think is really interesting, though, is she seems to have some kind of um, strong control over her dreams. If she's able to go to bed every night, kind of almost planning what she's going to dream about and, and actually kind of achieve that kind of dream world. I, I'm like, oh, that's pretty good because I can never tell whether I'm going to have a dream or not or, or what I'm going to dream about. So mm. there's a certain kind of um, control there that I, I think is kind of interesting. But then it kind of, I was thinking about that and I was thinking, like, if she's going to bed every night kind of almost planning these kind of sexy dreams... It's a bit like, it's a, there's something a bit kind of odd about it. I, I wasn't sure whether, it's not that, it's not that I think it's cheating or anything, but it's definitely a little bit more premeditated than a kind of a, an accidental Freudian dream that kind of just locks up some mad scenario that you weren't expecting. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, but although, as Barbara says, fantasies aren't meant to come true. They're just kind of something that you do to your mind to kind of process thoughts and stuff. So, you know, as long as she's not actually acting out on them, Knock yourself out. Yeah, though she's, I, I don't know, my sense is she's a little bit troubled by this, uh, especially her, her last sentence, are we really meant to be monogamous creatures? Barbara, are we meant to be monogamous creatures? Oh, God, that's the big question. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah no, I don't, I, I'm not sure that we are. Uh, I read a book a few years ago for a piece I was writing, which absolutely blew my mind. I can't, it was called something like What Women Want Sexually. And basically... This guy had put up all this research that, that had been, like, I'm talking off the top of my head, had been done at some very worthy university. And basically, like, the thing that women are always told from the time we're little is that we are monogamous. Uh, men, there's a kind of a separate kind of set of cultural rules about, you know, sowing your wild oats and having a good time and then settling down. Women, not quite so much. Uh, in fact, not by a lot or much. But I'm not convinced that uh, that we are meant to be monogamous. Um, now, having said that, any time I, <laughs> any time I really think this through, I get kind of well, I get bewildered, and then I get very tired thinking about it, <laughs> and I just go, ah, oh, you know what, I couldn't be bothered. But I do have this niggling thought in the back of my head that what if I come to the end of my life, which is getting nearer, and I go, holy God, I was at a whole big buffet, and I only had. A little nibble out of that. Mm. That sounds awful. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> so the answer, Sean, is I don't think so, but I'm not sure. Right. <laughs> Uh, and oh, I'm right. going to shut up now before I incriminate myself any further. Right, Declan, do you agree with Barbara's wild sex pot opinions? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, well, I don't want to come across as a prude in this conversation, so I'm going to have to stretch it a bit further. <laughs> um, no, you know, I do. I think, I think there's obviously lots of kind of historical and social reasons why we, we, we couple up. And, uh, you know, what, it's a very traditional view that the, the nuclear family is the best kind of way to form. I don't necessarily believe that. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of history and there's a lot of kind of, you know, there's a lot of pressure put on people to live their lives in certain ways. I know a lot of people who don't uh, pursue those particular ways of living. And a lot of people have very kind of open ways of, of, of forming relationships on that. And they're very happy with all of that. And um, I think ultimately it all comes down to the fact that it's not just one person who's at the buffet. There are two people at the buffet. And if both people can be happy with the way the buffet is going, then each of life's content. But if somebody's kind of 
kind of pushing somebody into a place that they don't want to be, then you're going to have problems, which is probably why we have these kind of structures, because they're just tried and tested as opposed to the ideal way to be. Right. Okay. Mm. Mm. I don't know about the buffet thing. That's like the anti of sex, really. Who's a shagging buffet? You know, we look like a Michelin star dinner. Funny enough, though, like you could say, though, it's it's um, monogamy is a choice like any other choice. And I was only re- like reading the other day that in certain states in the US, they're moving towards um, at least legally recognizing polygamy and polyamory in, in, in those kinds of non-traditional, uh, um, you know, it's not it, it, it doesn't involve just a couple. Uh, it can involve yeah. multiple people. And so the, even the definition of what is a family or what's kind of a relationship in that sense uh, is changing all the time. See, yeah, and I think there's always, like, for me personally, there's always the thing with everything of, like, I, I would prefer to try something and not like it than never try it before. Mm. Um, and I suppose in this particular area, it's kind of, you know, you go, you, go, you go along, as Declan said, a prescribed route almost. And I'm very happy married. And I'm very, I like the comfort of just knowing that, you know, there's just the two of you and you have each other's back and you've known each other forever and you know each other inside out and all of that, which totally outweighs but there is a small part of my mind that every so often goes gosh imagine Mm. probably a bit like the fantasies which probably i wouldn't act on but then i'm wondering what if i die and i think oh god we could have actually i don't know (laughs) yeah you don't want to die wandering uh you don't want to die wandering exactly that's it yeah Yeah. Uh, but i probably will yeah few comments uh, on that uh, for these people uh, just uh, um, I think it's totally fair enough uh, we don't need thought police it's not like any of us have any control over our random thoughts that kind of control is a total illusion anyway we're just fancy animals uh, says Deirdre Maura says I had this happen to me in the past I just couldn't shake the guilt for ages I know it was illogical uh, but I felt so bad that it actually harmed my sex life uh, for a while oh okay yeah that's not good yeah. Yeah. wrong that's but it felt good. so good uh, we all have fantasies but it's probably not a great sign in fairness that it isn't happening the odd time but over and over uh, Porrick says uh, it's our subconscious screaming something at her uh, someone else says uh, dreams are com- meaningless anyway all this woman can probably really decipher from these dreams is that she's horny she probably knew that already uh, but you know obviously it's an improved thing with the husband so and I think that there's something about the about, about the brain that when the brain is asleep, it, you kind of some of your inhibitions and your your kind of the social cues that make you feel embarrassed about certain th- thoughts get reduced. So it's kind of like a safety valve that's happening in her brain, and and if it's happening in her brain and that's relie- relieving any kind of build of pressure, then that's kind of obviously. Re- it's obviously doing what it's meant to be doing. So I think it's an yeah, entirely exactly. natural thing, you know? And as a few other people have uh, commented there, uh, hopefully she doesn't talk in her sleep uh, and her husband <laughs> isn't awake. Yeah. I, I, I share almost everything with my wife, my life, my house, secrets, thoughts, money, our kids, you name it. But something I like for just me is food. I love food. Any form of food, be it healthy or sweets. She found a stash of sweets I'd hidden in the garage and set up an interrogation room in the kitchen with the offending (laughs) items sitting on the kitchen table. 
She was annoyed that I was eat these and not share them and that I was hiding them. I give so much of our to my wife and our marriage. I just want to open a fruit and nut Yorkie bar or a lion bar without comment or obligation. I also have a stash in the boot of my car for long journeys, which she hasn't found. I found myself apologising out of obligation rather than anything else. But now I'm slightly annoyed that she even did it and I was being questioned. I think I need to tell her that her actions disappointed me and I should be allowed things for myself, even frivolous things like food. It's been about three weeks now, so it will probably be a bit odd just bringing it up. How should I start this conversation? (laughs) I mean, like like the last problem there i mean you know clearly i i agree that you don't have to share everything and if you are making the kind of compromises that are involved in a relationship and you are contributing to them in the way that you've that, that this guy said he is then moments of you know inverted commas selfishness or whatever are totally fine with me you know as long as you own it and you acknowledge what you're actually doing but it's, i think there's something about hiding from your partner that i think i think sometimes when you're hiding from other people you're actually kind of hiding things from yourself because you're you're avoiding having to either think about them or you're avoiding having to to justify them and he, he's kind of started to justify in his letter to us stuff that he didn't with with his wife now it could be just that his wife i don't get exactly the way in which that you know he made it sound quite kind of funny with the evidence all there on the table um it could just be that his wife likes showing him that he's not as smart as he thinks he is. And, you know, that's basically the, the be-all and end-all of it for her, is just going, look, there, I, I, I've solved a little mystery. You're not as clever at, at hiding your, your hobnobs as you think you are. Um, but I think getting caught in that kind of, kind of I don't want to call it deceit, but maybe it is deceit, is, isn't really kind of, it isn't good for their relationship. Because what all it does is it kind of creates this, this uh, feeling that he's doing things that she doesn't know about and that he's hiding things from her. And, and that's a sure way. I don't know whether his wife is the kind of person to be insecure, but if she is, well, that, that's a sure way of kind of stoking that particular fire. Yeah, it could also. Ooh, ooh, it could also the wife be. Wife is insecure. No, well, I don't know <laughs> if she is. Is what I said. But I said it could be. Oh. It could also be that she's concerned about his health. Um, I don't know. You know, mm. there's something. That, you know, this kind of Schrodinger sweet scenario. Like, if nobody sees you eating that bag of Haribo in the forest, does that mean you actually didn't eat them? I mean, you know, <laughs> you can be eating a whole pile of food, and you don't know how much food you're eating. Maybe she's just saying look, let's keep this all above above board because there's something, I don't know, hiding the amount, being guilty about the way you're eating food is never a good thing. That's, I, I'm not suggesting that it's in the zone of uh, eating disorders or anything like that, but it's just not a good way to have about food. So, yeah, I, 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 I must say I don't guilty. get it. I mean, it's not like a crack pipe she found in the garage. You know, it's a bar of chocolate. And now, unless he's, yeah. a, unless he's a diabetic, I don't see why it's such a big issue. But, it's, but the point is that, is that he's suggesting... No, he has loads of it. He has it hidden there and here and in the car and there's loads of other places. It's, I think there's a, it's a bit over the top about how much he's hiding. I mean, I don't know how much he's eaten, but if he's not able to tell her that he wants to have, as he put it, a lion bar in peace, then there's something else going on there. He's, his, his sense of agency isn't particularly well built. I think that's probably at the core of it, but... I don't know. I, I, I feel the whole thing feels like he's not really giving me the truth. That's what I feel. All right. Okay. Uh, uh, what do you feel, Barbara? Do you think there might be something else at play here he's not telling us? 
Well, as the diabetic in the room, um, I have a secret stash. That's what everybody did. I think this was like absolutely <laughs> normal. <laughs> I have a stash of chocolate that I don't eat a lot of, obviously, because I am diabetic. I would have maybe one or two squares of dark chocolate every evening. But I hide it. And the reason I hide it is that I live with four people, and particularly the one I'm married to. He'd chomp through that in a half an hour if he found it and mm. it'd be gone. Whereas my stash can last me for weeks. So therefore I have a stash, a hidden stash. Everybody knows about it, but they don't know where it's hidden. But if anybody's in dire need it's, of it's in, it's in the wooden box under your bed, like you say, <laughs> like, like in no. the ad. Everybody knows that women have a box with a bar of galaxy chocolate under the bed. It's like, we all know that, Barbara. <laughs> It's not under the bed. Believe me, it's not under the bed. But if anybody wants to uh, dip into my stash, they need permission from me and I will get it for them and bring it to them They so that no, my stash remains a secret stash. So I don't understand what the problem is here. And I also don't think Declan, number one, I don't think she has self-esteem issues, but I would say he might have. I don't think That's he's what I said. about this either. That's what I said at the end. Oh, did That's you? what I was okay, saying at the sorry. end. I'm saying that he... That I don't think he has an eating disorder. I think he has an agency disorder because if he's not able to tell his wife, I'm having a bloody bar of whatever it is right now, thank you very much, then, well, then he has an issue. Yeah, and I think there's two things here. I think sometimes I've known people who, maybe not when they're full adults and married and, and parents, but maybe younger, who never had sweets or access to sweets as a child kind of have this overreaction to sweets when they become an adult. So either maybe he was deprived sweets when he was a child, or maybe he's part squirrel or something that he has to squirrel away large amounts of the sweets. But the thing that struck me when I was kind of having a laugh about all of this and going, you know, yeah, that's great. But then I thought there is something in the letter that makes me wonder if he actually resents all the other things that he has to share with his wife. Um, and is this his way of retaining a little bit of power in the relationship? Like I share a he said his house his secrets his money his kids everything and he says but i have my stash of sweets that you don't know anything about and i'm not sharing that and that's given him i suppose that's the same point you were making that's that's given him some kind of feeling of power in the relationship but in fairness like i don't know what she's getting her knickers in a twist about really mm. because i don't think it's a sign of like i don't even think it's a sign of selfishness i just think it's something he does and to me in the you know in the in the in the top 10 of things you could do to really kind of be serious to have to seriously worry about your partner this isn't even it there so uh although i i, I do feel sorry for him when she finds the bloody sweets in the car there's going to be hell to pay when that happens so move, I, move them <laughs> immediately yeah, if he wants to keep his stash secret i would suggest and i'm not speaking from experience i would suggest he keeps moving it uh, around the place right okay <laughs> that's the only way to keep it secret okay uh one texter suggests it sounds like a mother and child dynamic that might be something yeah. to that and yeah. Uh, yeah. Owen says I'd be worried if I was the Deliveroo guy bringing an order to Barbara's house especially if it was a buffet <laughs> Owen you know because uh, oh, who knows what God. might uh, come from that uh, <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> boom. Uh, my father has views that differ radically from my own and I'm really struggling with him he's in his early 70s but he's a young 70 he can be so modern and forward thinking at times but this whole Covid thing and the vaccines has him talking nonsense and listening to those spreading misinformation it has led on several uh, uh, led to several arguments in recent weeks and our relationship has really taken a hit 
in recent weeks. I bring him his shopping and used to hang around for a chat. I might cook for him, do a few bits around the house for him. Uh, but as of two weeks ago, he doesn't want me in the house because of my opinions. If only those spreading lies and misinformation knew the damage they were causing to people who are a bit more susceptible to this kind of thing and the wider impact it's happening having on family. Right now, I consider some of what he's saying to be plain anti-science and hateful even. Yes, I could give him a wide berth, but he's my father and I need to take care care of him. I'm so conflicted, I don't want him uh, to think I'm okay with his recent views, but I also want him to know I'm there for him and can help. How do I do this when he won't engage anymore? I've never experienced anything like this before. This is becoming an increasingly common story. Yeah. yeah, it is. And, you know, leaving the vaccination uh, thing aside for the moment, and I think you might have written about this before, Sean, but like what I part of the problem here is that we are increasingly living in a black and white world where everything is either right or it's wrong. It's good or it's bad. And there's absolutely no middle ground. And that middle ground is a really precious place because that's where change happens. And that's where things move. Um, I mean, social media obviously has been one of the main drivers of this, but mainstream media also doesn't help with this belief, this mistaken belief, in my view, that that that, that uh, ratings are gained by rows in studios so that you have these polarised views being kind of combating against each other, which, you know, one side is right and one side is wrong and that's it. Uh, but in relation to this particular issue around vaccines, it's not a black and white issue either. And I think too often we refuse to engage in, in kind of real conversations about this because there are some legitimate questions and fears that people have. Um, but I think that increasingly they're not they feel that they can't actually ask the questions because they will immediately be um branded anti-vax and therefore they run off into the arms of um people who are spouting all kinds of nonsense about conspiracy theories and all of that kind of stuff so i think all of us individually and wider as a society we need to create a space where these questions can be asked by people where their fears and people have legitimate fears around a vaccine any vaccine but we need to be able to have a space and a time where people feel they can ask those questions and where we can kind of try and tease out the issues that people are worried about. Um, so what I'm saying to this particular uh, uh, letter writer is, you know, encourage your dad to express his concern and his fear without you necessarily immediately coming back in and, and you know, uh, 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 disagreeing with it give him the space and and try and have a conversation and it won't be one conversation this will take place over a period of time in a number of conversations and probably initially you're going to have to just listen uh rather Mm. than uh coming back with you know what what you think is the correct point of view um but i think that all of us anybody who is in that position very often is fearful And if we can uh, give somebody the space to actually express those fears, and if we can come back and respond to those fears in a way that just doesn't say, you're being stupid, this is science, you've got a conspiracy theory, the science says this, um, but give somebody the space um, to express how they're feeling, I think that would go a long way towards helping. Right. Okay. Uh, um, it would require a bit of patience and uh, and restraint, I would imagine. Uh, Declan, what yeah. would you advise? Well, yeah, I think I think it's absolutely right. I think that most of the time, when people have a perspective, if it is, I think uh, it's it's what's the expression? If it's um, 
if it's felt to be kind of real in that in that way, like they genuinely believe what they're saying, and it's not some kind of a, 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 a like a knee jerk reaction trying to provoke some kind of response, because there there is also a lot of that. There's a lot of people who are saying the kind of contentious thing in order to either um, yeah. pursue a particular ideology or a particular you know mm. route um, but then there are people who are genuinely confused by misinformation who are genuinely uncertain about what is the truth if it's somebody in that scenario I think you have to as Barbara says show a little bit of empathy and and give them space to kind of uh, um to express what their concerns are. I think, unfortunately, society seems to have kind of uh, fractured and we've kind of, we used to have a society where we had a kind of almost a hierarchy of of authority, um, whether that was like, you know, the church was the central authority that kind of just told everybody what to believe, even if they didn't really believe it. And that, that kind of just was, that was the way we were. Whereas now we, we, we fractured along all kinds of um social kind of uh, groupings and, and ways of seeing the world, many of which are are wrong. And then obviously there's mine, which is clearly true. Um, and then there's that, you know, and trying to convince people around your way of seeing things is difficult because if people are very trenchant in, in their own way of seeing things, you don't necessarily have a final arbiter. You don't have, you know, the moon tour to go to say, you know, teacher, what's the actual answer to this question? Because it is actually, we do have to come to some kind of a, almost sometimes agree to disagree scenario, which is why, you know, they say, don't talk politics in the pub or in your family house, because, you know, sometimes you're just not going to get your dad to believe whatever it is you want him to believe. Um, and so maybe just the only answer is just to give him space and just not talk about it. Yeah, the, the, the difficulty though is that I mean, if you, and and I suppose anecdotally at least, and certainly on social media, more and more people I see saying, "I know I have a family member, I have a good friend who've gone down this rabbit hole," and the further down they get, the more entrenched their views become, and then you know it, they could reach a point where it's you can't bring them back, and they have a completely different view of reality to your own and it's hard to find that middle ground uh, to which uh, with which to communicate with them I think what I'm saying though is that that has been happening and it, it does happen all of the time we just have to, we just see it in different ways so yes look at Northern Ireland look at what's happening in Israel I mean, there's a lot of places where people are entrenched in their worldview and it's opposite to the other people in there and they're the twain shall, shall they meet ever um, ever we hope maybe it will at some stage I think when it comes to something like vaccinations when it comes to stuff where there's science behind it, I think it is a case of of allowing people to kind of find the authority in the people who who, who are giving them the information and taking it away from the the kind of the the shite merchants mm. and not let <laughs> not letting them have the space to kind of to to just talk nonsense. That's I mean I don't know how you do that, but that's uh, somebody's actually sent in a good suggestion. Just do the two year old thing politely and keep asking him why. Why do you believe that? <laughs> why does it make more sense than the accepted narrative, etc.? And I suppose if you keep asking why, that's, that's that's actually a Socratic method of inquiry. Keep asking why until they put you to death, uh, which is what happened to Socrates. <laughs> Drink uh, the headlock. Uh, Mick in command, just going back to this, uh, the sweet eating or the sweet hiding more correctly, Mick says, my last relationship ended because she found my stash of sweets as well. But her problem was, if you're hiding sweets, what else are you hiding? She convinced herself I was having an affair. I wasn't, but it got so bad that the way she went on, we split up, says Mick. Wow. So there's 
There's a warning for you all. Uh, when you're there, it is. When you're hiding your sweets there, Barbara. Yeah, yeah. Barbara. Probably <laughs> going. Oh yeah, is that the buffet you're looking at there, Mrs. Dream, dream, dreaming of a buffet. Trouble, big trouble. <laughs> Thank you both that very much as ever. Uh, Declan and Barbara, there. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break. Back in a couple of minutes. Moncrief on News Talk.